right, good afternoon, everyone. As I was sitting here um, listening to, well, watching the two videos as well as listening to the presentation from Tram and Florence, I feel like, really, I don't even have to preach. <laughs> I don't even have to give this sermon um, because it's basically, in a nutshell, what I wanted to say. It is like the epitome. It is a almost a perfect example of what I wanted to say that God has put on my heart to speak to you about. It really, the gist of it is what they said. And as you can see, is it, is it up there? The, the title is A Balanced Mission. And that's what I wanted to talk about, um, missions. And the core of what I wanted to, the point that I wanted to make with today's message was that in a time when, and again, Florence mentioned this, they asked them not to preach or to openly evangelize, and yet God was moving things and orchestrating things, right? In a time when it used to be the pendulum was... When, it, when you look at society, when you look at history, there's always a pendulum and it swings this way and then society and the world corrects itself by going too far the other way and then it gets like there's modernism and then postmodernism. You know what I mean, right? And so I feel like there was a time when, um, long, 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 long time ago, when missions was about evangelism and it was about taking the gospel and that's all it was. You laid down your life so that people would come to know Jesus Christ and would love Jesus and know Jesus, right? And then there was criticism about that. Well, what about those who are starving and hungry and, you know, you're not doing anything to meet their physical needs type of thing. And I think then it swung the other way where not so much the pushing the message of Jesus down people's throats, beating them with the Bible, but it was like, let's take care of their needs first. Let's take care of the, you know, different things. And then I've seen that then it's shifted this way where oftentimes we've lost the gospel message. They don't know why we're doing this. And we're just going out there. It's something good to do. It's, it's a feel-good thing. Uh, and it just goes both ways. It's a time there was a stigma associated with missionaries, you know, going out there and um, trying to bring these heathens or, or pagans into knowing Jesus and things like that. And it was not politically correct to do so. And again, as um, Florence mentioned, when I was in Serbia a few years ago, they were telling me that it's illegal to talk, was it in Turkey or Serbia? I can't remember. But it was illegal to talk to kids, to talk to minors about um, Christianity or religion. You could talk to adults, but you had to like get the permission of the parent or something like that. It was actually illegal to talk to minors uh, because they're too young to really um, know and then these people coming in trying to influence them. Um, so I understand people going in subversively. I understand people going in incognito or in the guise of doing and acting and doing something else besides just going and saying Jesus loves you and taking that gospel uh, message. So again, basically what they said and how, what they presented is what I wanted to say. Um, but again, in light of the fact that they just gave a missions report and then um, today they're going to, well, you guys are going to pray for my family and I, as we go on this vision trip, which is a little bit different from the mission trip, I wanted to look at why we are doing this. And I think this might be basic information, but I feel like it's such a good reminder to look at and review the whys of why we do this and also how best we might be able uh, to do this. The idea of missions, like I said, and short-term mission trips has gone through such major change, such a 
paradigm shift. And I came across this, across this really great article in the Wall Street Journal of all places. The Wall Street Journal of all places, and it's called How Missionaries Lost Their Chariots of Fire. How Missionaries Lost Their Chariots of Fire. So let me just kind of summarize. It talks about how in the year 2010, the World Missionary Conference was held in Edinburgh, Scotland. It's the exact same location that the first World Missionary Conference was held 100 years earlier. So in 1910. It was held 100 years earlier. And at the first gathering, there was 1,200 participants. 1,200 Protestant Christians from all over the world, they came to participate at this world conference. It was a huge event. It was a huge moment. It was covered by media. There was a lot of um, worldwide attention, media coverage about this huge conference that was happening. I mean, the year was 1910 um, in Scotland. They fervently believed at this first conference. They believed that the gospel would soon spread to every corner of the earth, every corner of the world, and that their master plan of evangelism, their master plan of, of you know, sharing the good news would speed up Jesus' return. Once everyone had heard the message, Jesus would return. And their master plan was, we're going to hasten Jesus' return by making sure we go out there and speak Jesus to every single person. But 100 years later, in 2010, only about 300 people attended, down from 1,200. So 100, year later, 100 years later, only about 300 people attended. That's a quarter of the size of the 1910 uh, conference. And the gathering received little attention from the media, little public um, attention, little notice from the world. And there was a distinct shift in the focus for missions. Whereas in the past, missions was more, as I was saying, it was about evangelizing. It was about spreading the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. What, you haven't heard about Jesus? And you, you know, launch into trying to evangelize and, and speaking. And, and it was about getting people saved, getting people saved. And now it has become more about serving people's practical needs, which certainly isn't a bad thing in and of itself. That is not a bad thing. But Christian missionaries, I think, need to balance both their actions with their words. It cannot be either or, but there's got to be a balance when we go. The author of this article is named Brad Greenberg. He says, this is a quote, he says, Brad Greenberg, the overwhelming um, majority of American missionaries today are vacationaries. Joining mission trips of two weeks or less they serve in locales where Christianity already predominates. He goes on to say, the purpose then of their visit is to battle the ills of poverty and to stretch their own spirituality. It's for you to grow spiritually. Um, you know, we take youth groups out and, you know, so that you can grow in faith. Mission experts note that there's a rising interest in strictly social justice and humanitarian work. Strictly social justice and humanitarian work, especially seen, it says, in the surge of American Christians now working for African orphanages or fighting the child sex trade in Thailand. Does that sound familiar? Right? These are all things that, that we do. Scott Moreau is a missions professor at Wheaton College, and he estimates that about 30 years ago, half of his graduate students at Wheaton College, Christian uh, grad school, 
Um, he said half of his graduate students believed that building churches, establishing churches abroad was their top priority. That's what missions was about, going, planting churches, establishing churches, building uh, churches. That's their top priority, half of his graduating uh, graduate students. He says today, it might be 10%. Fighting trafficking, orphanage work, HIV, AIDS, poverty, that is probably 50% now. That is where the focus is. Many believe that this shift in focus or this way of doing missions is a good thing because it shows us that it's just not enough to say Jesus loves you or God bless you and then jump on a plane and come home. Because oftentimes, as I said, the pendulum is swinging. It used to be that. We'd drop people into remote areas and they would get um, persecuted or you know, killed because they wanted to talk about Jesus Christ and, and um, convert people, and that was their main and only goal. So it's not enough to just say, Jesus loves you, God bless you, be at peace, and all this stuff, jump on the plane and then come home. St. Francis of Assisi is very, very famous, 13th century monk, and he is famous for this quote, preach the gospel at all times and when necessary, use words. I'm sure you guys have heard this quote. Preach the gospel at all times, and when necessary, use words. Meaning that the gospel is preached by our hands and feet when, we, when people see us lovingly caring for, providing physical needs and, and doing physical labor, whether that is showing Jesus' love and who Jesus is. But... Research has shown that non-Christians often miss the gospel message when it's delivered without the words. So we think that um, you know, serving them, their physical needs, or, or, or doing such things, building them a house, and, and we never mention Jesus, we never mention why we're there, who we are, that we're in fact even Christians, or any of that, but we go to do these things. Research has shown that these non-Christians, they often miss the gospel message when we do these things without verbally also expressing or, or showing or telling or speaking or sharing who and why we're doing this. Then churches and Christians would be no different than, how would we be different than the Red Cross? How would we be different than the Peace Corps? How would we be different from USAID or other humanitarian government agencies? or NGOs, non-governmental organizations that are defined by the UN? How would we, as Christians or churches, sending out these, these relief workers or, or mission organizations, you know, we have hurricanes and tornadoes or natural disasters and earthquakes that happen, and churches mobilize to send teams, right? So does the Red Cross, so does the US government, so does the United Nations. How are we different? And so the church needs to balance doing both. And like I said, today's video was just so a balance of both. You saw the Turkey and Serbia team, their thing was teaching English because everybody wants to learn English. Learning English, knowing English anywhere in the world gets you ahead, whether it be a job, whether it be, you know, just knowing English is, is beneficial to you anywhere in the world. So they're doing this English camp. They're at this Serbian youth camp because they're the Romani kids who are the poorest of the poor. At, the, at this camp, they don't pay registration fee for a whole week. They get to come, they get to play, um, they get to go swimming, they get fed breakfast, lunch, and dinner, but they don't pay anything because our church sends money. 
we, we gave money to Florence and the team to send them and uh, Missionary Hannah raises money from churches in Korea and stuff like that to let them have a week where they don't have to worry about, do I get to eat breakfast or lunch or dinner? But they just come and enjoy. So they do these camps. So they're doing that. And then you saw Yannick and um, Teresa, and they were all about the message. They're going out there, street evangelizing, preaching, uh, activating people, talking about Holy Spirit, and, and just really um, um, training up and, and encouraging and, and teaching uh, the church that's already there, activating them and releasing them and making them to, to go further and to learn more. So again, the church needs to balance uh, doing both serving the practical needs of the people, and verbally sharing the gospel. What makes us different, what sets us apart from the other organizations is our motivation of why we choose to go and do what we do. It's the motivation. So as Christians, our mission work is based on three things. I want to go over three C's. The first one is a compassionate, loving God. C, the first C, compassionate, loving God. For us, it always begins with God. That's the difference between us and NGOs and other uh, organizations, Red Cross. For us, it all begins with God. John 3.16, very well known. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. We know this. We've memorized it. God loves us, and it's his compassionate nature is such that he desires to offer eternal life to all who would believe. His desire is that none should perish. It's his love for us and for the lost that motivates us to go and do missions work when it costs us money, when it costs us time, resources, when it's difficult, when it's like third world country uh, conditions. That motivates us to go. 1 John 4.19 says, we love because he first loved us. I love that verse. I love that verse. We wouldn't even know what love is. We wouldn't even know how to show love to others, except for the fact that he first loved us and he showed us what love was. Because we received love and forgiveness, we're able to then go and love and show forgiveness to others. Therefore, we're able to show this love because we're imitating him. Now, you guys all know 1 Corinthians chapter 13. It's a very well-known, uh, famous passage. Uh, it's usually associated with romantic love. People read it at weddings and such. But before you hear the love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy, it does not boast, and all that stuff, if you look at 1 Corinthians chapter 13, the beginning part, the uh, beginning with verse 1, listen to it, but hear it now as you think about missions. Think about it in the context of missions. If I could speak all the languages of earth and of angels, but didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy, and if I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, and if I had such faith that I could move mountains, but didn't love others, I would be nothing. If I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it, but if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. I'll never forget the story that Anna told. Anna, Michael Brown's wife, Pastor Q, and uh, Joy Zamanim's daughter. Uh, I, I think some of you might have been here when, um, I forget where she told it. I don't think it was here. I think it was somewhere else. But anyway, there's a story that she told, and it was part of her testimony of when she went to Mozambique. 
You know, when she went to Mozambique, um, she was working with Heidi Baker. You guys all know and have heard of Heidi Baker's uh, ministry out there. And it is like an African orphanage uh, thing that they do out there. But Anna tells the story about how when she was there, um, that the kids there, they have scabies. It's very common, very, very common to have scabies. It's highly contagious. It's worse than bed bugs. It's like um, lice that live in your head, but it's, it's little mites that live on your body. And what they do is they burrow under your skin and they lay eggs under your skin all over your body and you can see the burrow tracks or burrow marks, and it's crazy itchy, super, super itchy. And so that's why people are scratching. You can see the burrowing marks and stuff. And oh, anyway, so um, she was talking about how the kids there have scabies. It was common. And at one point, there was um, this little, one of the little boys, and he wanted, he, he um, stretched out his arms and wanted to be held by Anna. And this little boy is stretching out his arms and, you know, oh, you know wanting to be held and, and wanting Anna to hug him, pick him up and hug him. And Anna was sharing that in that moment, she could see the, like, you know, scabies, highly contagious and stuff, uh, difficult to get rid of. It doesn't just leave with one uh, shower or bath. She could see. And so in that moment, she had to pause. And she was like, you know, oh, you know, do I hug this child? I could you know, contract the scabies and stuff, or do I not, or, you know, and she's here doing missions and showing and trying to express and be an example of Jesus' love to these ones. Now, you all know about my insect phobia, which I've been healed from, praise God, uh, from, with inner healing, I've been, praise, uh, I've been healed from. But when I heard this testimony from Anna, that was pre-sozo, pre-healing, I was squirming in my seat, and I was just like, oh, no, there's no way. There's just no way. That's why I, I'm discounted from going to missions, you know? And so if you think about what is your worst phobia, nightmare, um, something that you can't even imagine, and then you go to missions, and it confronts you. How willing, capable are we to suspend are almost like self-preservation, you know, just your common sense almost of, oh, you don't want to touch something that's dirty or nasty or, or diseased or, or, you know, to put yourself in those, in, those, in those predicaments or situations to suspend it and trust that God, you know, if I get scabies, okay, I, I'm going to do this for the Lord, to suspend that for a moment and to be able to do that. These are really hard questions as, as we go to mission field. And I was even thinking... Um, I was even thinking, uh, you know, because I've been healed of the, um, of the insects, you know, my other worst thing would be feet, right? I have the thing about feet. So there was an incident that happened in um, Korea. We were on Jeju Island on a uh, family trip before Hun's father passed away. And when we were there, um, Hun put his foot in the shoe, and there was a, um, it was like a scorpion type of thing that was in his shoe he didn't realize. He put his foot in there, and then he, he yelped. He was like, ah! And then um, he jumped and, and took his foot out of the shoe and, and uh, went like this, and this scorpion-looking thing slithered out, and it had stung him or bit him. I don't know. And you could see that there was a little bit of blood. It had nicked him in his big toe, and there was 
uh, blood drop there. And they were like, oh my gosh, is it poisonous? What are we going to do? Is there a hospital nearby on this little Korean island? You know what? what? We didn't know. And uh, we had just gotten to the beach, and so there was a parking attendant. And so we're like, you know, Ajushi, Ajushi, we're like, Mr., Mr. And we're like, have you ever seen these little scorpion-looking things? Is it poisonous? Do we need to take him to the doctor? What, what, you know what? And the, the man just kind of looks over at Hoon's foot, Hoon's toe that's bleeding a little bit, and he was like, I don't know. He goes, it might be poisonous. You might have to suck it. Suck the poison out. I said, <laughs> I said, oh. and then they looked at me. And I said, oh, yeah, I love my husband, but I don't know if I'm going to suck his toe, suck, suck poison out of his toe. And then people were like looking at me like, if it needs to be done, it needs to be done. And I was like, I looked at Hoon and I was like, you're flexible. I think you can get your foot up to your mouth. Good. He's flexible, right? But to me, that was an example, kind of, you know, funny. But what if, you know, something like that, a child or, or someone, as you're out there, what is it that you couldn't and wouldn't be able to do to suspend those, you know, while we're living here, our comforts and, and you know, just being in the comfort zone? The thought of it, like I said, was so traumatic for me when, when Anna shared that. And even now, when I think about anything to do with feet. And I had to wrestle with the question, what would I have done? We do missions because of our compassionate God, because he is loving, and it is his desire that none should perish. So secondly, our missions work is based on another C. It is a compelling message. A compelling message. We carry and proclaim a distinct message of salvation. Apostle Paul said in Romans 1.16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. Serving and providing for people's physical needs is good, but we are concerned with much more than that. We're concerned with much more than that. We go to proclaim, we go to preach, testify, we go to bear witness, we go to share the gospel. We go to give them the good news of salvation, the hope of eternal life. It's above and beyond a person's worldly physical needs. You know, the Samaritan woman, what does Jesus say to the Samaritan woman in um, John chapter 4? He says, when the Samaritan woman at the well, and he asks for a drink, Jesus answers the woman, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. And so when we go, yes, we go and we want to give refreshing cold water to those who are physically thirsty. But we have even something greater. They will thirst again. But we have the cup of living water, the gospel message of eternal salvation, Jesus, to give them. We want to give that refreshing cup, the cup of living water as well. And we need to have the balance of the two. Like I said, we tend to err on the side of swinging too much this way and neglecting this part or going too far this way and then neglecting that part. In Matthew 16, 26, it says... And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? There was a time when you heard the word missions or you heard missions trip, and it automatically included evangelism. That was just a given. That was just expected, that when you go, you're going to 
it's going to involve some sort of evangelism where you're going to share the gospel, meet up with people, talk about Jesus Christ with those who hadn't heard of him or to, you know, go and talk to people who refused to believe in him because seeds were planted by a previous team or, or something like that. But like the Wall Street Journal article said, there's been this paradigm shift. Missions experts are noting a rising interest in strictly social justice or humanitarian work, and we need both. These are not mutually exclusive things. Now, we've heard stories or illustrations about Christians trying to evangelize and trying to share the gospel to starving people or those living in war-torn um, war zone areas or people who are in pain. These people have immediate needs that have to be met before they can give you the time of day, before they can even open their minds or wrap their mind around trying to listen to something that you're, you're saying to them, before they can be concerned about the good news of Jesus. They want to know, and you've heard this phrase before, they want to know that you care before they care what you know. They need to know that you care before they care what you know, what you're trying to tell them. But again, we cannot lose sight of our motivation, why we do what we do. It's not simply because we're do-gooders or humanitarians. And that's the thing. I think that we err on the side of doing things subversively and not preaching the gospel. And we feel like actions speak louder than words, right? And yes, God can use everything that we do, every action, every, um, you know, um, motivation, everything that we do, God can use these things. But I think we err more on the side of going and doing, whether it be manual labor or, or difficult things to help with the orphanage and stuff, without carrying the living water. We take the cup of cold ice water without the living water. And it's because we have this compelling message, the good news of Jesus Christ. It compels us. Third and last, we are, the third C is a commissioned people. We are a commissioned people. Mark 16, 15 says, Jesus said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. We're told to go. This is the Great Commission, and it's been given, it's been given to all of us. We've all received this mandate. We've received this command. It's an imperative. We're to go. Have you heard the saying, how will they know unless we go? Right? How will they know unless we go? And going into all the world doesn't mean just overseas or somewhere, some far off land. You know this. All the world includes your workplace, includes your backyard, includes your community, your neighborhood, your schools. That's all included. And Jesus' command doesn't mean just being sent. It means being involved in sending others. Many of us have never gone on a mission trip. Many of us have never really gone on what we define um, and label as a mission trip. But we have in many, many ways been involved in sending others. And as a church, that's what we're doing with our short-term missions um, teams that we send, our mission partners that we support financially and with prayer, what we did with Michael Brown and the campaign in Myanmar. When he came and gave that report, weren't you so blessed? as if, or if not more, that you were there with him. We sent with him our prayers, our, our well wishes, our support, our money. He only could go because we funded it. We, we sent him our money. And so, in fact, we were there with him. Our money was there. Our prayers were there. And so we went. So it's not just those who are physically going, but all of us who make it possible for others to go. In all our missions work, we want balance, serving the practical needs and showing and sharing the good news of Jesus. I want to end with this story. 
Let me end with this story. A traveler fell into a deep pit and couldn't get out. Several people came along and saw him struggling in this pit. The compassionate person said, I feel for you stuck in that pit. The logical person said, if you were watching where you were going, you wouldn't have fallen into the pit. The judgmental person says, only bad people fall into pits. The curious person said, tell me how you fell into that pit. The self-pitying person said, man, you should have seen my pit. The Buddhist says, just meditate and don't think about the pit. The optimist said, cheer up, things could be worse. The pessimist said, be prepared, things are going to get worse. The Christian said, God loves you and knows what you're going through in that pit. Jesus comes along seeing the man, took him by the hand, and lifted him out of the miserable pit. The point is, it doesn't do any good to talk about love and compassion and even take the gospel message of Jesus Christ, that there is a God that loves you, that forgives you, and, and wants eternal life for you, all this stuff, without also demonstrating, as Jesus did, pulling him out of this miserable pit. It goes both. It's a balanced mission. And I think, I may be biased in this, that our church does a good job where we don't focus too much on going out and doing the hard labor and such, but we want every mission trip to involve in some way extending the living water, not just during that one week that we're there providing physical relief of some sort, but it's got to be both. Let's pray. Gracious God, we thank you, Lord, for this word today and this message, a good reminder to us all, God, why we do what we do, that you have called us and you have commissioned us. Father, we go forth with a compelling message, God. We go forth saying that there is a compassionate God who desires to know them and wants to know them, God, and wants to alleviate the physical suffering that they are experiencing, as well as spiritual starvation, God, that they are craving. Their souls are starving for hope, for good news, for the message of Jesus Christ. And so, Lord, we thank you. Help us to discern. Give us wisdom in, in um, planning and in strategizing, God, in ways that we can do both well, that there will be a balance of both, God, that we do not err too much on one side or the other. But, Lord, as we, the people of Hope Church and the people of God, go forth, help us, God, grant us wisdom, Lord, to see and to be what you want us to be to these people. So, Lord, we thank you for the opportunities that you afford us, that we may partner with you in these exciting times, God. So we thank you. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. I need to say a couple, just two things quickly. One, um, uh, I think one of the things that Pastor Mimi already alluded to everything. I just need to mention one more thing. That is, when he, when he, had, when he sent teams out to overseas and, and even Alaska and everything else, it's not that we are, that's the only way we go. That's, that's probably more visible where we go. But the other aspect of the whole thing is, wherever you are, you are sent there already. Wherever you are is where you are going. At the work you are, where you're living is a place God sent you. There you should be going as well. Not only overseas. 
This is the, the word of God says, you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem where you live and all Judah and Samaria to the end, of the end of the earth. We, church, we focus on, uh, we spend a lot of time on making sure that people go to the ends of the earth. Meaning, but meaning that not only there, but everything be, between that is all included. As you're thinking about praying for uh, the Serbia team going on, we are also, not, not only supporting them, we are also seeing where I am, I'm a, I'm a missionary. I'm a one with the missions in my home, in, in my neighborhood, in my workplace, all are part of the mission we are involved in. Second thing is uh, uh, we do want to take time to pray for our vision trip happening. Pastor Mimi and Mr. Hoon and the family, if you can come out. I, I believe Elder Dapu and family already left. They are already left. They're on the way there already via Georgia, uh, Dawsonville, Georgia, Baptist Revival, there, and then they'll go out to Alaska. If you can come. Uh, I think God is opening different doors to our church. Over, uh, we have God opened door to uh, Thailand for us since 2004, and we had God has opened door for us to go to Serbia in 2014, and God may be opening another door uh, to going to still far but still within our country. You're missing one of your daughter. She's coming. Okay, can you come in the middle? Uh, so. They are, like, they, are, they are like the scouts going out to making sure this is a place God is telling us to go and, and all that and see what, we, what they are supposed to do as well as tasting the food. It's edible. Drinking the water is whether that's a drinking, a drinkable. Yum. Okay. Uh, and also, as I mentioned, the tra travel is not easy. They have to fly into Juneau, which is the capital of Alaska. Then they have to take another flight. Only goes once a, once a day. Three times a day, but it's a very tiny little plane. So, uh, which is quite expensive. Anyway, so they will be going out there as well. And they have only hotel today. They have one hotel in Old Island. So, okay, pray for them. We want to pray for them, and we want to um, ask God to grant them wisdom and, and how, how and why and how we should be partner with what God is doing in that island. I think there are many other islands like that in that area too, in Alaska, where uh, uh, there's a lot of need as well as the gospel need to go forth. What Pastor Mima was talking about, we need full gospel to go. Not partial, full gospel to go. So um, we want to pray for them. And uh, if you can stretch out your hands toward them. Okay. Some of you feel extra uh, urge to come and pray for them. You may come do, 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 do so as well. Okay. Nobody wants to come in. I just say the specific reason if you're wondering why Emma and Maddie are going was PQ and I were talking when we talked to Pastor Joey who's the pastor out there they're part of our eco denomination they're a sister church um, we said what are your prayer needs what do you need there and he mentioned that he has two daughters and they are sixth and seventh grade my daughters are going to go into eighth grade and he said that please pray for my daughters they're lonely they're on this island and 
you know, it's very remote. The people are indigenous, native uh, people who lived there for hundreds of years. And he says, as they're, it was not so bad when they were young, they didn't know. But now they're at that age where they realize they're living on this remote island. They have no friends and they're lonely. And so PQ was like, he's, he was the one that mentioned, why don't you take your daughters? And I was like, what? You know, it's not like a mission trip where we're going to go and do VBS and we need the girls to come and do this and do that. But and I was like, you know what, that's part of our vision and mission too, is to for them to know that support and to encourage and to be a friend to the children of pastors and missionaries out there. So that's my, if you, just giving you that detail so you can pray specifically for that, for their two daughters named Lydia and Maria, that Emma and Maddie will come alongside them to encourage and be a friend to them. Fun fact, uh, for a time being, Pastor Joey had to get a job to support himself because church couldn't support him. He was a school's maintenance worker. That's something like what Pastor Hoon, Mr. Mr. Hoon does as well. Pastor Hoon, okay, okay, does as well. There are, there's a lot of similarities here, interesting. And uh, let's, uh, if you can stretch out your hand, if you want to come and send with any one of them, we can, we'll pray for them, okay? And also Elder Dapu and our uh, Deacon Amy, who has never been to mission trip. We're going to pray for them, all right? Okay. Not only for them, but what God is doing, uh, God, what God wants to do with us in Cake, Alaska. Father, we come before you right now. We say we are yours. We'll go wherever you want us to go. We said go and make disciples of all the nations to go and preach the gospel to all creation. We obey God, we are going. But as Pastor Mimi, Mr. Hoon, and the family, Elder Dapu and Amy and the family are going out to Cake, Alaska, God, one of the remote places in our nation, Father God, I ask the whole gospel will go forth, God. Father, we ask right now, Father God, as you send them out, you'll open doors. And Father, show us how we may really come, come beside and the, the, the church and the ministry out there. See how your gospel kingdom will go, come forth in that area, God. We ask your grace and mercy in this trip. We ask for insight and revelation of your heart in this matters. Father God, I ask right now, for, for we ask for traveling mercies, your help, especially understanding of what you are doing in the midst of those people. We thank you. We give you glory. Be with them. We strengthen them, God. We ask you to grant them tasty food, good place to rest, good uh, uh, divine context and meetings with people they need it. Father God, in your grace, we love you. We honor you. We say we are yours. You are the Father of all creation. We give you glory, God. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's, also, let's praise God together. Closing praise together.